All right, we've got a mailbag lightning round that we're going to do today. I think this is one of my favorite formats. I like I like being off the cuff. I like having things that are, uh, you know, quick and mm-hmm. fun. So I'm, I'm all about the mailbag. So for the viewers and listeners, the goal is I went back over the last, I don't know, maybe five episodes or whatnot, and I picked three to five different questions. We'll see how many we get through. Got them in front of me on the computer here. Uh, I read them very quick to Adrian right before we clicked on the camera, but he has not had any time to actually like scratch down intelligent thoughts. So this is going to be very much so just a, an off the cuff back and forth. And we'll try to keep it moving and we'll see how many we get through and we'll, we'll do this again in the future. But this will give us the opportunity to touch on several people's questions and just give them some good things and enough information, I think, to to go down the path that they were inquiring about. So. Yeah, and a bit of a challenge, too, because as a rambler and pontificator, I can definitely, you know, sink my teeth into some things and not get to the point. So this will be good. So the first one I took was from VNR episode 51. It was the one about sprinting and not pulling a hamstring. Mm. And this was from Thomas Reed. And he says, love the episode. Thanks, Thomas. I've got a couple questions for both of you. I'm a newer coach, and I made an observation today while coaching someone at, uh, oh, coaching the workout margarita in multiple classes. It seems that people were using the same workout for different purposes. For some, it was a hard, intense effort. But for others, they were using it as a way to get 50 attempts into kicking into up into an unassisted handstand. I know that you guys have said the same workout can be tweaked to offer a different stimulus, but is that true for every workout? Do we pigeonhole workouts because of their stereotypes, such as Fran has to be fast? And is it appropriate to have people doing this in a group class or is it disruptive? All right. Great question. Yeah, I like it. All right. I'll start. I think that absolutely one workout can serve many purposes and it will happen that way just on the basis that most people will not have a completely equal skill set coming in. And so you know, there's always talk about intended stimulus or what you hope to get out of the workout. And broadly, you want to try to hit that most of the time. But that shouldn't say in that, that you can have a a totally different effect, and that's not still useful. So for example, somebody that is strong enough to do the workout Fran at 95 pounds, but it might take them 15 minutes to do so. Mm -hmm. um, You know, that's not bad. It's just a different effect than the purest expression of Fran. And that's totally fine once in a while. The pragmatic level is when you get into a group and you have to manage time and you have to manage, um, you know, the outcome of somebody finishing two minutes versus 20. Yeah. Now you have to kind of weigh that out and make sure that you're not just giving all the attention to one group or the other. So if you have a plan for that, great. No problem at all. Um, And I'm all about the idea that one workout will have a very different outcome for other athletes, depending on their skill set. I see no problem with that as long as you enter into it eyes wide open and you can plan for it if you have athletes of multiple skill levels. Yes, I don't see it as disruptive either. I actually see it as the same workout serving multiple people in different ways or the way that meets them where they are in their fitness journey. That's actually what I think is. One of the wonderful things about intelligently designed programming that has this great broad swath of variance. I'm a huge fan of variance because while each person has their specific needs that maybe they have to work on, 
everyone also has some general needs and the general needs yeah. would be time domains from short to medium to long. You know, they're gonna, those are going to serve everyone well. Loading from no loading, just your body, to light, moderate to heavy, to dedicated heavy days. Everybody yeah. has the need to go below parallel, to pull from the ground, to go overhead. So those are the general needs that will be covered with nice variance and intelligently designed programming. Then in those general blocks, so to speak, we can, when that class comes up, we can take that workout and modify it for that individual's specific needs. And so I'll, I'll talk in some stereotypes just because, you know, there are broad categorizations might be a kinder way to say it these days is uh, yeah. just will help, help you out. The big, strong athlete, right? Mm. Loves the heavy days, loves the heavy weight, loves DT, no scaling needed. Cindy comes up, Nate, Barbara, long runs. Maybe this person is not there with, with ring muscle-ups or handstand push-ups or whatever is yet. That's fine. You know, they had plenty of days, wheelhouse days. They didn't need to scale anything. This day comes up. They're out of their comfort zone. We're going to modify your pull-ups in this way, your handstand push-ups in this way. They get just what they need. Fantastic. They're going to drive forward as an athlete. On the other side, you've got the smaller body weight ninja that crushes Cindy, loves Nate, but struggles on DT. All good. You know, they're going to have the days mm. where they excel in their wheelhouse workouts. But since your programming isn't all one thing at the exclusion of other, they get other days that are really outside their comfort zone. And they're going to scale the weight down on DT. And on that day, they're going to get stronger with a 115-pound barbell instead of a 155-pound barbell. And the same workouts serve the same community with the coach just making some some general tweaks and everyone's progressing together nicely. And you can take a step back you know, when you've got some good experience, understand how long certain things may take so that roughly everyone's finishing around the same time frame. Poor Joey's not finishing 15 minutes after the class or something like that. And then, yes, everything can be done very well. And, and I wouldn't say it's disruptive. I would say it's one of the mm. really gorgeous and amazing things about GPP personally. Agreed. Yeah. And, and so I like a workout like Fight Gone Bad to kind of analyze this because it's one that A, doesn't get a lot of do nowadays and B, mm -hmm. people don't think about it in the same terms because everybody moves on at the same time frame. And so I think sometimes the analysis gets lost a little bit. So something like Fran, it's very obvious you have somebody who finishes in two minutes versus 20 it's obviously a very different workout. Mm -hmm. But same thing with Fike on Bad. You have somebody who's a total monster and they accumulate 400 reps across that workout right? versus somebody who is still very much a beginner and just learning some of these movements and maybe not that strong yet. And they get 120 reps in, in a 20-minute effort or almost 20-minute effort. It's a very different experience and a very different stimulus mm -hmm. despite the fact that they quote-unquote did the same workout. So right. You know, sometimes even without um, some of those externalities of did it take the same amount of time, you see a very different outcome. Um, and that's totally okay. And who's kidding who? They get all the reps on the box jump and the push press. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> I used to, I, every time that workout used to come up, I would strategically put myself in a group where I'm like, oh, I guess uh, the way it works out, I should start here. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> there was, nobody wanted, I can't uh, remember, nobody wanted a beginner end with the rower. I can't remember, no, remember what that worst. was, but like, yeah. no, no thank Either you. Either way, it's bad. I'm going to cruise on the rower so I can <laughs> smash the box jumps and smash the push Absolutely. press. Absolutely.
All right, moving on to the next one is from Tim Gibbons. This was also under VNR number 51. This is tough to define, but I think, I think you're up to the task. I was okay. wondering if you guys could maybe discuss athletes' wants and needs in CrossFit and managing expected outcomes in GPP. So basically, mm. what, what can okay. an athlete expect from a, a general physical preparedness program? Yeah, wants big and needs. Question. Well, that's vague, interesting. Big, big and vague, but good. Yeah, because wants are always going to be very individualistic, I would say. I mm -hmm. mean, there's certain wants that I think we all have. We all want to have good friends and we all want to have a stable life and, you know, those be broad nice. categories. But yeah, but when it comes to fitness, I think there's a lot of um, variance there. But let's assume that uh, tied up in this and kind of under the surface is this idea that if I go to work out, I want to be a really strong person or I want to have a standout individual characteristic of my fitness that people can point to. Mm -hmm. um, and then the need is that, no, we want you to be broadly capable of of most things. And sometimes that can create a little bit of conflict um, in some individuals. Uh, so again, if I'm reading between the lines correctly, I would say that it's up to the coach to early on educate their athletes as to why it's important to develop things that may not be initially appealing to you. If you're somebody that comes in and you're all you want to be is strong, Great, there's nothing wrong with that. However, comma, you should be aware of the benefits of the rest of this stuff too. Mm -hmm. And then, you know what? If you choose that that's all you want to do is just be a big brute and, and like strong, great, fine. At least you're entering into it eyes wide open. Um, but I do think that's one of the jobs of the CrossFit coach is to put it on the table early that what we are intentionally trying to do is spread things out. We're trying to get a big, broad base. And that might mean that you never get one of those categorically identifiable strong points. And that's okay. I, I agree. I'm, I, that brings into my mind, I'm going to mess it up a little bit, that line that Greg used to say often of how, if you had the broad categories of, you'll outlift a runner, you'll outrun a lifter, you know, yep. you could play that same game with gymnastics. You know, so that kind of very nice capacity in a very wide range of areas at the expense of I'm going to have astonishing world-class capacity in one or two areas and be highly not capable, so to speak, and a bunch of others. Like, we weren't willing to make that compromise. That's, that's the thing about general physical preparedness. And I like in, in Tim's questions... Wants versus needs, that is a really great, <laughs> that is a great phrase. I mean, that could be an entire yeah. episode. And GPP, and I don't know if this helps you out, Tim, but GPP will provide you with everything that you need to crush life, to live a high quality of life, to be capable for whatever's going to meet you when you walk outside the door. Now, you may want a little bit more. Maybe you have an athlete that wants to, I don't know, win a powerlifting meet, wants to win a triathlon or whatnot. Well, that's that may require a little something extra beyond what a general physical preparedness program is intended to deliver to that specific athlete. But that same GPP program can be a fantastic base from which to add yeah. a couple things to have an, an athlete that does choose to specialize in some area. 
So it is, GPP is a very interesting thing. And I will say, if you were asking for this out of this question, I can't give you specific answers like, okay, what's the average deadlift somebody's going to get if they're mm-hmm. doing CrossFit? What's the average right. back squat? It varies a lot. I mean, even Adrian and I have been uh, you know, doing CrossFit a very similar amount of time. And just because we're different human beings, for whatever reason, you know, some of the things that you probably don't have to work on that much that are just kind of always in the tank, well, those aren't the same for me and yeah. vice versa. Like, you know, uh, for whatever reason, I can well, have a relatively what, decent deadlift, even yeah. though I don't touch it that often. You've got some capacity with 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 body weight or technical movements that on my best day I would kill for. So even though we've, been, we've both been doing GPP programming for a very long period of time, I can't give you this one. Here's the deadlift. Here's the back squat. Here's the number of pull-ups. And here's the fran time. There is yeah. some individuality to that, I would have to say. Absolutely. And aptitude versus training is always going to come into the argument, and you're always going to have people that believe one side or the other is more significant. And I don't know the answer to that. You know, is it because Pat is just naturally a better deadlifter, or is it because his training has tended towards that over the years? Could be some of both. I don't know. Um, so yeah, for that reason, it's even harder to predict. Um, but I do want to come back to one of the points you said about crushing life. I think it's interesting if you look at the age of an athlete and what they're interested in, it it kind of follows a similar trajectory a lot of the time. When you're younger, it's been my observation that most people, that's when those standout physical characteristics tend to really matter more. Mm. After you get past a certain stage of life, the benefit of being generally fit stands out more and more to you because compared to your peers, there becomes a greater and greater chasm. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm approaching 40, so I'm not an old man by any stretch, but I don't know that I could say that I'm like, you know, super spry either. Mm -hmm. Point being is that when I look at some of my friends or some of my peers that are also in their late thirties and they are not physical people, you know, I, I have a lot of interest in a lot of different subcultures and many of them are not particularly healthy if you look at the the swath of it. Um, And compared to some of those people, you start to see this really big gap. And that in and of itself, the fact that I'm generally fit and healthy and can handle anything physically that comes my way is the defining characteristic. Whereas when I was 23, 24 and hanging around with a a bunch of other 23 and 24-year-olds that were former athletes or still interested in taking care of themselves or whatever, that's when it was like, okay, I need to be the strongest guy. And that's Mm -hmm. my standout versus a generally capable individual. And I would also say with the one, you know, when I see GPP, I think one workout a day, when you're doing one workout a day, you shouldn't, hopefully you won't, or your clients won't think that doing one workout a day will just lend yourself to being mediocre in a whole bunch of these areas. Because I, I would really strongly disagree with that. Are you going to be Me as too. strong as somebody yeah. who's just a power lifter? No, but you're going to be mm. really strong just doing yeah. one workout a day. You won't be as good as somebody who just runs all the time and does nothing else, but you will be a pretty darn good runner. And so don't yeah. think that mediocrity is coming from this at all. You're going to be really capable yeah. in all of these areas. And you know, to share a personal story, uh, just because I think it lends itself well for this, you know, we're rewinding the clock way back now, you know, way, way back in my pre-CrossFit days, you know, as an active duty 
Navy SEAL would work out like two to three hours a day, like every day. There was there was a lot of time spent on physical training. But then post that life, you know, more than a decade later, I got into CrossFit. Now no longer in my early 20s. I'm now in my mid-30s and I'm in 40 years old. And I would work out in and out of the gym in an hour a day. And the actual workout would be anywhere from like 10 to 25 minutes versus hours of training beforehand. And in my mid to late 30s, I was fitter doing one CrossFit workout a day than I was doing two to three hours of training back then as an active duty SEAL. Now, I understand the definition of the word fit. If you had those two versions of me, that younger one that was doing two to three hours a day, I would, that one would beat me in a 5K run or a two mile mm-hmm. ocean swim. But almost anything else that came out of the hopper, the yeah. CrossFit version of me doing one workout a day would demolish the previous one. And I could still, if I needed to, do the swim. And I certainly could do the 5K run. I would just get beaten by the previous one. So mm-hmm. my point being, don't think that anything is mediocre. You will be a very, very capable human being at one workout a day. And so uh, I think that's important for people to realize. All right, next question. This was from, uh, posted under very not random 49, which was which movements are undercoached. This is from Joe. This episode sparked a question. With only so much time to work out in a day or week, would you consider setting aside regular Metcon days for doing skill work? If so, what would be a formula that you would follow? Great question. And this is one of the questions that I think you can apply in a lot of different scenarios. You know, um, CrossFit Open just happened uh, a little while back. And it always used to blow my mind at some athletes that would redo these workouts multiple times to really try to get their best score. <laughs> a lot of people I mean, I, do. I get it. But on a practical level, I'm like, geez, I only have the opportunity to work out once a day four or five days a week with my schedule. And, um, you know, I, I, no slight against people that are more dedicated or, or have chosen to prioritize sure. being an athlete that way. Fine. But for most of us, it's just not the reality. Um, and so the thought of giving up one of those days to do something I'd already done a couple days prior was like, this is insane to me. I think that that kind of holds true for skill development. If you know that you're working on a limited time frame, I would not suggest a wholesale substitution of a day that you're going to be training just for skill development. But I think that there are always opportunities that people don't take in the margins that can dramatically up their skills in the uh, in the long term. And so a lot of ways, skill development is a game of consistency. It is much better to touch a skill a couple times a week at 10 minutes a, a touch yes. than it would be to say, I'm going to spend an hour on this once and then I don't revisit it for five months. Way better outcome to do that first scenario. And so Agreed. for that reason, I would say plan things out in your warmups and cool downs Plan things out when you have 10 to 15 minutes of downtime um, where you might happen to be in your training clothes anyway, you know, uh, whatever that looks like. Um, Those are the real opportunities to start building skill. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be a wholesale day. If you have the time and you can put a, a dedicated skill day in there, even better. 
But I don't think that if you're working with a limited time budget that you have to do one or the other. Yep. And, and I was going to say to him, if you've got rest days and you've got spare time on rest days and you just want to get warm a little bit and make that a skill session, that's a fantastic use of that time. Mm-hmm. But then like you're saying, you can do your warm up, you know, some rough time frames, let's say, because, you know, one of the things that Joe says is people only have so much time to work out every day. Absolutely, yep. Joe, right there with you. So let's say you do a general warm up that's 10 to 15 minutes and then you're warm now. So you could spend 10 to 15 minutes working some skill that plays very well into whatever the workout that day happens to be. Does the workout that day include uh, clean and jerks? Well, you can start to slowly build up your loading. You're working on your technique. It's going to play really well to get you into the workout. Does Is handstand walking in it? Is it ring muscle-ups? You know, whatever it happens to be, you can build on that and get some practice while still getting loose, still, you know, queuing up your central nervous system, gently building up loading and intensity, then hit the workout. And you do that with, again, with wonderful program that's varied, you're going to probably have an opportunity multiple times a week to be exposed to something that, you know what, I could use a little bit of skill practice on this. And then you're doing it regularly. And, you know, then the workout, let's say, is 10 to 20 minutes. So whether you just were on the low side, I said, or the high side, that's that's 32 to 50 minutes, depending upon how much time you took. That leaves you a little time to stretch, cool down, go home. You're in and out of the gym. In an hour, you walk back into the house. The other mm. thing I would say that I put into my warm-ups probably twice a week, I would say, is I'll do something like the Bergner warm-up as yep. part of my warm-up. And the workout of the day may not even have a barbell in it. It yep. certainly does. I'm a huge I, I, fan I, of that I won't as a do concept. The, yeah, I won't do the Bergner warm-up only on a day that I'm snatching. I could do the Bergner warm-up if I'm doing Cindy because it's going to get me below parallel. It's going to get me pulling. It's mm-hmm. going to get my shoulders nice and loose. It gets my heart rate up. It takes me through a full range of motion. Now I'll do some other things as well. I won't just do the Bergner warm-up. But it also touches a complicated movement pattern regularly, even on so I don't have to snatch two to three times a week to continually make sure that that movement's not getting too rusty. So I would... Yeah, I would think about some things in that light as well. And I'll take that and run with it as, uh, you know, a little bit further down the track. I like to take a look at the week of training I've got coming up or whatever. And then you can use that to inform your kind of skill practice warm up. So to pass point, maybe the Bergener warm up doesn't apply directly to the workout you're doing today. But you know that today being Monday, I'm going to train Wednesday and that includes the snatch. Why don't I prime the pump a little bit? and blow out the, co- the cobwebs now so that come Wednesday, it hasn't been weeks since I've touched the skill. It's been more recent. And then everything's a little bit easier when Wednesday rolls around. The last one that we have isn't so much a, it's not a question. We're just going to end it with okay. a, sh- a shout out, a shout out, <laughs> okay, maybe. A you shout know? out. Okay, good. Yeah. And this I was like from- Positive. Bringing the people yeah, out. Thank you. This was posted yeah. under VNR number 49 from- Nick Haney. And Nick says, I subscribed to the BTWB app this past week and quickly realized I'm nothing special. There Mm. are so many great athletes using this app. First time listener to your podcast. As an independent CrossFit minded athlete, I gained a lot from, you know, gained a lot from this. So very cool. But basically, I, I, I put that on there because I wanted Nick to know 
don't sell yourself short. I don't know if you're just being humorous with that, you know, saying that you're nothing special. Well, first of all, Nick, I'm nothing special either. But the fact that you're in the game puts yeah. you into a special category in, in the world, quite frankly. And, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. Little comparison's nice, right? If it motivates <laughs> you to if it motivates sure. you to do something. But the interesting thing about like the BTWB app, or if you look at your fitness level on there, is you are comparing yourself on BTWB anyway to a group of humans that have chosen to take their fitness very seriously, to log mm-hmm. their results, to push themselves. So you're comparing yourself to all things considered, a pretty darn fit cohort compared to regular society. So, Nick, you're probably doing better than you think you are. So just hang in there. Absolutely. And this, as the saying goes, you're lapping everybody on the couch. Yeah. So make sure that that's in the mix somewhere mentally when you're thinking about it. Um, and I agree with everything you just said, Pat. One thing I would also mention is that the tool that you have access to with all that data in my opinion, one of the biggest utilities is so that you can see whether or not your training has been effective. It it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that to be effective, you have to be this superstar standout athlete or at the top of the heap. But over time, you should certainly see that, oh, I, I do have improvements in areas that I can look back on objectively. That's great. That means that you're doing what you should be when you're Mm -hmm. in there working hard. If you see the opposite happening and you're honestly putting forth the effort and showing up and all these things. And you're like, but man, things are getting worse. Well, that's a pretty clear indicator that maybe you need to switch some things up. So to me, it's less about where do I stack up? Although that can be fun. And it's, you know, who's kidding who? I I love to do that from time to time. And especially people that I know and recognize, I'm like, okay, where do I sit? You know, that's, that's fun. and, And no problem with that. But generally speaking, I'm looking at okay, this month versus last month. And even basic things like, oh, wow, I got 15 training sessions in last month and I'm only on track to get eight or nine this month. That's a problem. I I need to figure out my schedule. What's going on here? You know, or specific elements of my fitness. What's happening month to month with those? Are they improving, staying the same, getting worse? That's the real utility. So don't get lost in the comparison to to the group. Yeah, it does seem like a cliche phrase, but it really is you versus you. It, it, exactly. It, if, yeah. if you're if you're improving, doesn't matter what the person on the platform next to you is doing. If you're improving, good to go. You're completely you win. Completely, yeah, yep, exactly on the right yeah. path. So that's it. That was a fun mailbag show, lightning round. We'll have yeah, to do man. another one. It's a good way to kind of um, you know get through a bunch of people's questions or topics in a relatively short time domain. So that's it. Any more thoughts on your side? No, thanks everybody for those questions. That was a lot of fun. I like uh, I like the variety of it. It's great. Yeah, we'll keep doing it. So as we always say, we read the questions. We do. We go onto the BTWB YouTube channel. Hope that you do as well. And we see what you everybody has to say. So go to the show, post your thoughts. And if you have upcoming topics, questions, concerns, whatever it happens to be that you think would benefit the audience in general, post them and maybe you'll see them on a future set future show. So as always, whether you're watching or listening, thank you for your continued support. For Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.